What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. As you guys know, I'm Tyler, and back with me today is my co-host, Curtis. And with no game this past weekend, we figured today would be as good a time as any to just pause and just take stock of this 2019 Georgia football team as we enter the stretch run after this second bye week. Given that we have played seven of our 12 regular season games, which, God, that breaks my heart to say out loud, I mean, God, we, we, we wait and wait through the long, brutal offseason, and it just disappears so quickly. One of the cruel realities of life. It really is, uh, I guess. But anyway, seven games in means we are just barely over the halfway mark of the 2019 season, but we still have the meat of our schedule ahead of us. So today, what we're going to do on the show is we're going to issue our midseason report cards that will include position-by-position position grades to this point in the season. Before we do that, though... I do, I, I want to take a quick second, I want to pause and take a second to thank all of you guys out there listening to us for supporting our podcast as we have embarked on this new partnership with Overtime Media. The response as we've jumped on board with Overtime, man, it really has, it has exceeded any expectations that we had, and we are just so incredibly grateful for all of you, every single one of you that listen to and support our show, trust me guys, we really do know just how fortunate we are to have you guys support us like this. We, we really know that. We try our best. We redo. We try our best to be a show for the people, for the most hardcore, diehard fans like all of you out there. And it's just extremely humbling to have all of your support. I also want to specifically thank all of the guest hosts who have joined us this season. That really has just been so much fun to interact with all of you guys out there and just get a chance to know you a little bit better. And I also want to thank everyone who has given us positive ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. That is very helpful for our podcast as we continue to try to grow and bring you guys content. So thank you guys. Sincerely, thank you. But all right, let's grade this team. And we're going to start on offense because I know that's where just about everybody in the Bulldog Nation has their attention directed right now. We all know the, the conversations have been going on ad nauseum since the South Carolina game. And we're going to open with the quarterback position. Curtis, I still contend that Jake Fromm is one of the best quarterbacks in America. You and I were talking about this a little bit before we came on the show uh, and how he's he might not be having the year to actually go pro. Maybe he actually comes back next year. And maybe that's 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 a possibility for sure. Uh, but I still say when when things are working, he's one of the best quarterbacks in America. I'm not ready to say the best, but one of the best. But I'm curious to get your takers. What grade would you give Jake at basically the halfway mark right now and why? I think I'm going to go with a B. Um, you know, he's had some good games, but I still think he's may, he's doing things that you think or I mean, in my opinion, I would have thought that he would have been better at. Um, I still think he struggles a little bit with the deep ball, especially with his touch. Um you know, there's times out there if he would just lay it up and things like that. Um, he may we may get some completions for some bigger plays, and I think you know coming into year three, that's something I expect more out of him. Because um, I mean, that's a little bit been his weakness so far the last couple of years. So you think that he would address that? Um, but other than that, I mean, I think he's played very solidly. He's missed some throws here and there, um, but for the most part, I think he's played well outside of the South Carolina game. But I mean, I I, I think B's a fair grade for him. Yeah, I, I do agree that a B is a – I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that, especially – really, it's just one game. It's a South Carolina game. I know he wasn't good against Kentucky, but, I mean, we didn't try to throw the football. I mean, he was like 9 of 12. I mean, he just didn't throw the ball down the field in that, in that rain. Why would you uh, when we were able to run the ball like we were, as effectively as we were? So I don't I, I don't think that – I don't think he's had a bad year. I really don't. I think he had a horrible game 
against South Carolina, and it was bad. But still, even even that game, and guys, just let's not forget, he's only thrown three interceptions all year, and all three of those interceptions came in one game. And I would say only one of those interceptions was his fault, right? The the and it was a catastrophic mistake. I mean, there's no getting around it. That that pick six, you know, I've, I've talked about this. I don't want to relive it all too much, but I thought he was trying to throw the ball away in real time. Go back and watch the play a couple times, very painfully. So, and he was not. I don't. I don't think he was trying to throw the ball away. I think he just made a mistake that Jay Fromm never mistake never makes, and he made it there. Um, so that was a that was a catastrophic mistake on the pick six, and ended up costing us the game there. And there are other reasons why we lost. I wasn't the only one, but it didn't help. The fumbling there when we we're going in, try at least kick a field goal against South Carolina. That doesn't help. It's inexcusable. Um, I know that's partly the center's fault too. Um, but the other two picks there in, in that game were not on him. Neither one was on him. So he's been he's been really good outside of one game. So I certainly cannot go below a B. And I know some people are, are prisoners of the moment and would throw a C or D out there right now because we're all feel like he hasn't had a good game since Tennessee. But I'll go back and I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think the Tennessee game was maybe arguably one of the, if not the best games he's played as, as a Georgia quarterback. So I think he's had really good moments this year. He hasn't been necessarily dynamic, but he also hasn't had the receivers to go along with. At least guys, well, guys that are talented, but they they are in the rhythm with him right now, right? We all know that. We don't need to go into detail with that. We all know that. But uh, I would say Jake Fromm has been very good all year except for that one game. But I cannot get over that one game right now. I can't. I can't, I'm going to go with a B plus. I think it's. I think he's. If you look at the season in totality. I would say he's been really good, except for that one game. So I can't. I think he's been a little bit better than a B, but a B is very fair. I can, I can see that. If, think about go back, Kurt. Like before the South the South Carolina game, think about all the talk about Jake Fromm, how good he was. There, are, that's when people are still talking about him, about him as maybe the, the top quarterback being taken, at least a first round draft pick. And coming into that game, I know it was small sample size, but coming into that game, he was either one or two nationally in basically all the advanced statistical measures for quarterback play, whether it's turnover-worthy plays, adjusted completion percentage, accurate plus. Like, he was number one or two nationally in all those percentages. And then here comes the South Carolina game, and, of course, that goes by the wayside. And you, you follow that up with the Kentucky game where it's a, a downpour, and we don't really try to throw the football. So um, I'm not going to ding him too much. I'm going to go with a B plus. I can't go an A because that South Carolina game was was that bad. He was missing guys, open guys that he doesn't miss. He was, even when he completed some of the passes – he was not hitting receivers in stride like he has done a really good job of all year long. It's just one of those games that he we've talked about. It. He has he has seem, seemingly has one of those games every year. And I mean, I think it was. I think you make the argument that even though his numbers end up being better in that South Carolina game, it was at least as bad as that performance as LSU was last year. And I, I hope that's the only game he has like that this year um, because we're going to need him down the stretch because we got. We got quite the stretch run here, but I'm gonna go B plus. Can't give him an A. I think slightly better than a B. So I'm gonna take the easy way out and say B plus. Uh, all right, let's move to the running back position, Curtis. This, uh, you know, we, we like to call ourselves running back. You, if you look at, at at the running back group today, we have obviously a star in DeAndre Swift. But when you look at it in totality, we may, might not have the depth that we've had in years past. What grade would you give our running back room through the first seven games of the year? Um, I'm gonna go with the B plus. I mean, they don't have the numbers right now that jump off the page issue, but I think that's more not on them as much as it is on the play calling, the scheme, and the execution across the entire board. Yeah, I, I, I mean, B plus is like another one. Look, I can't argue that's fair. We don't have the two at a monster that we've had in years past, right? Like Harrion's been yeah. good. He missed a game, so you got to throw that in there too. He missed a South Carolina game, but he hasn't been dynamic. I, I, I would actually venture to say I think Harrion's been very close to what Holyfield was last year. Um, not quite as he hasn't quite had the big game like Holyfield had a couple of times, but I think through seven games last year, Holyfield had uh, 488 yards, 
and 7.5 yards of carry. Harrion's got 311 yards and 5.9 yards of carry. Although Harrion, remember, did not play one game, so that's factor in there as well. But 7.5 to 5.9, so he hasn't been quite as good as Holyfield, but he's been good. He's been really, really good. And uh, but he hasn't been like a Nick Chubb and Swimming Show. We don't have that. But DeAndre Swift has been really good, man. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the running back group. You know what? I'm going to give them an A right now. I really am. I know we haven't had the, necessarily the big home run plays that we've had in the past. Like we haven't been as explosive in the running game as I would like as, and as explosive as we've seen in years past. But we still have some time for that. Like we, we weren't necessarily as explosive in the running game the first half of last year either. It was really after that bye week going into the Florida game where Swift kind of just you – know, he got healthy and he started to break out. You know, against Florida had a couple big runs. Against Kentucky had a couple long ones. Auburn had that big long one. So there's still time for that to happen. And we saw signs of it against Kentucky a little bit. Um, but Swift, right now, the man's leading the SEC in rushing. And right now as a team, and an offensive line play goes into this as well. We'll talk about more about that up next. But right now we're, average, we're, we're, running, uh, we're rushing for 238 yards a game versus 226 yards a game last year, averaging 6.2 yards per carry versus 5.7 yards per carry last year. And I thought we were a really good rushing team last year. So uh, we're actually slightly better than we were, what we were last year, even with, with, with Holyfield moving on to the NFL. So when you have the league, league's leader in rushing on your team and some good compliments behind him, whether it's Brian Harry and Zeus and his in uh, his uh, short sample size of playing time has played really well when he's got an opportunity. James Cook, we just can't seem to find ways to actually get him the ball. But he's when he when we finally try to get him the ball in space, he makes things happen. Hopefully, we we can start doing that a little bit more consistently. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm going to go with an A. I can argue with a B plus, but I, I think when you have the, the league's leader in rushing, it's safe to go with an A. Before we move on to our next position, I do want to remind you guys about Vivid Seats, especially if you are still looking for tickets to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party next week against Florida. Vivid Seats is your place to go. You still have time to get tickets for that game, but you have to act now because time is running out. Still a great selection, incredible prices, can't be beat. So please check out Vivid Seats today for your cocktail party tickets because we need all the red and black we can get in those stands. And I do want to make sure to let you guys know about their loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards. It's simple. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, and you're going to be automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. And when it's time to buy, new users have to enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout, and you will receive a discount of up to $100. Can't beat that, guys. So if you're looking for tickets, Vivid Seats is your place to go. Use the promo code OVERTIME. All right, let's move over to the other part of the running game system, which is the offensive line. Obviously, they go hand-in-hand with the running backs here. Curtis, coming in the season, obviously all the talk was that Georgia has the best offensive line in America. You hear every single game how we have the biggest offensive line in football, not just in college football, but in the NFL as well. But how would you grade their performance to date? Have they lived up to the hype in your estimation? No, I'm going with a C. Oh, a C. Oh, you have to explain that one. A C. Ooh, okay. Hit I mean, me I think that. that they. I disagree I with that. that. I want to hear, have, you, I hear your reasoning. I mean, I honestly believe that they have had some glaring need or glaring holes. I mean, honestly, with the experience we have coming back outside of Trey Hill, um, I think I'm highly disappointed in the way we have played. Um, the lack of communication should not be a problem when you have this many people returning, um, especially when Trey Hill got PT last year. I know it wasn't at the center position, but he has played. So. When you have that type of depth and, you know, just the talent that we have had returning, yes, we've had injuries and things like that. But even before Solomon Kinley went out, our offensive line was getting – I mean, Vanderbilt was getting pressure on the quarterback, um, running stunts and things like that. So, I mean, to me that that – I really believe that they've been below average um, in a lot of different areas. I mean, 
I just think that I've been really disappointed in what I've seen and from honestly from what I expected. And I think that's the key thing, what you just said there, because you're not wrong. I think like it's it was the expectations coming in, right? Like we, yeah, we heard- and I honestly believe that some of these people have been playing pretty poorly. I mean, Trey Hill, I expected a lot more out of him. Um, I think that he's very inconsistent and at times gets lazy, which is something you don't want to see, especially when we have so much talent. You should never be that lazy or have trouble getting off because there's someone right there behind you that can take your spot. For Kirby himself to say it, like Trey Hill's a guy that sometimes you have to light a fire under him. And, that and-, should, and that's a sad statement, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I, I totally agree with that. And that's, and that's not acceptable. You should not like at this level, you should have to light a fire. But they, I know some people are more intrinsically motivated than others, but like, dude, you're playing, you're starting offensive line with the university of Georgia. You've got to be able to get yourself motivated to play. And you can't have those moments where you were. And look, I don't want to say Trey Hill's a lazy player. He's not like, but he, he, you're right. He has moments where he does that, right. Where he kind of, I don't want to say takes a play off, but doesn't necessarily put his fo- his best foot forward on, on every given play. And, just, and like even things as simple as like the snaps, right? Like high, low, like it, you just can't have that kind of stuff. There was a, like, we already have rhythm issues and timing issues as it is with our, with our passing game. But like, I think people underestimate how a bad snap like that, even if, even if, the, if it's the quarterback gets it, but if it's high causes him to jump high or reach down low, uh, that throws the timing off even more. Right. So yeah, that's something that, that that can't happen. It just simply cannot happen. So I, I know Trey Hill. I, I agree with you. We've talked about him a little bit. Is there any? But you mentioned like there's a couple other guys that maybe haven't been playing up to your expectations. Who else are you looking at? I mean, I think it's going into the rotation right now at the right guard position been, between Ben Cleveland and K Mays. I think it's thrown off. You know, I've been very outspoken. I don't believe it's been a good job coaching, um, and I think that that's played into the fact of how the right side has played. Um, you know, there hasn't been as much cohesion as you like to see. Um, and I think that's really been very disappointing. And also in the left guard position, um, yes, once Kinley went out, it hurt. But Schaefer, I thought, um, it, it left yeah. – I, I was very unsatisfied with the way he played. I'll just put it that way. With Schaefer? Yeah. 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 I, and Kinley's – I mean – And to think that Kinley. he's the, the, the next guy we had off the bench more or less, I was, I was very disappointed. And I think that's the thing. At that time, all right, you rotate – it's between K. Mason and Ben Cleveland. Schaefer's not even in that. So why not just go ahead and put them both in? Yeah, it, it, it defies logic there because, like, you're right. Ben Cleveland and K. Mays have been rotating. The other two guys have been rotating at right guard all season long. And when your left guard goes down, it just makes too much sense to insert one of them at left guard, right? Like, it's not that much difference. It's really not. Um, it's just a different side of the line of scrimmage and a different guy you're working next to out there at left tackle. So that didn't make much sense to me. When you said, like, you had some issues with the coaching, like you thought it was poor coaching, what were you referring to there? Like, in terms of like the rotation of, of the pl- offensive linemen? The rotation in the personnel, like you were mentioning, you know, K, uh, Schaefer coming in when you can obviously see he has problems getting his leverage down. He's getting blown up on especially short yard situations. And then also, like I've mentioned, I don't like the fact of how often we're rotating. Yeah, they may be trying to see who's going to play and things like that. But you've got to come down to a set rotation because you and I have talked about many times how one of our biggest problems with this offensive line right now, especially in pass blocking, is the communication um, and players getting around with stunts and things like that. And I think that plays right into why we're having a problem with that cohesion. Yeah, that, the the twists and stunts up front, those games have killed us. There's no doubt. And we've got to get better at that. Um, so, C, all right. I think the word you use is expectation. And I think that's where – I see where you're coming from from that perspective because – the expectations were like this is the best offensive line in the history of college football. And, well, they and even then, if I even if I wasn't expecting them to be the best, 
And yet you saw all the talent we have, and yet you see what they put out on the field consistently. Sure. It leaves a lot to be desired. There are some deficiencies, and you did an outstanding job of laying those deficiencies out. And I, I still sometimes, and it wasn't as bad as what I thought in real time when you went back and watched it, which was very painful to do. But that South Carolina game, going back and trying to watch that game, like that one's fine. With don't get me wrong, they were not good in that game, and they in the rotation, I still just can't wrap my head around. I know injuries is the official word, but like, oh my god, like if they're injured, why are they in the game? They just don't need to be in the game. But um, in real time, the game, I, I was, I thought they were just getting destroyed, getting whipped by Javon Kinlaw and Wanham and all those guys up front, Sandage, all those guys from South Carolina, which should never have happened. And Kinlaw is legit. I mean, he, that guy's an NFL player. He might, might be an NFL starter right now if he's in the NFL. He's that good. Uh, but go back and rewatching, like it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, especially in the second half. But we still got whipped far too often against. I mean, that's guys. After that loss to Tennessee last uh, yesterday, South Carolina is not going to a bowl game unless they pull an upset. They're, and that sucks. That sucks that we lost them. Like now they, they have, I think they have five losses now. Is that right, Kurt? Yeah. They have five losses now and they still have to play. They have to go to A&M and they still have to play Clemson. I don't, they're not going to a bowl game. They are not going to go to a bowl game and we lost them at home. I just, I, okay. But anyway, whatever. We don't want to go down that hole. Um, but I don't, I see where you're coming from. Cause I, the recently it hasn't been great. I thought it was much better against Kentucky. We got a lot of movement in that game. But I went back and looked at the numbers. Like I've been feeling like everything you just said, I kind of felt after the South Carolina game. But I wanted to go back and, and, and look, I, I will say numbers don't tell you everything. They do not. But I think it does give you some context and it can give you a lot of information to work off of. And uh, so I went and looked up some advanced stats for our offensive line play. And I was surprised that they're actually like, – we're rated as highly as we are in most of these categories. I thought they would be, we would be lower. I really did because I'm with you. I kind of feel like they haven't been as good as I – they've been. we've been really good in the offensive line. been good. But maybe not as good as I thought we would be. So I went back and looked these numbers up. And right now, like we're look, listen to some of these numbers. We're second in opportunity rate, which if you're not familiar with opportunity rate, that, that's the percentage of runs when like when four yards are available that gain at least four yards. We're second in the country in opportunity rate. Offensive line is a big part of that. Uh, we're number one in line yards, and that's basically a way to isolate the uh, rushing yards that the offensive line is responsible for. Like, for example, like they get 110% of any yards, zero to four that are running back gains. Get 50, it's like a descending scale here. They get 50% credit for any yards that are running back gains, five to 10 yards, whatever. So it tries to isolate what the offensive line is responsible for. So we're number one nationally in, in line yards. We're fourth in stuff rate, which is percentage of plays that were stopped at or behind line of scrimmage. So we're not getting stuff much at all. Like we're not getting a ton of negative plays. We're fifth in sack rate. And this is where I, I was surprised. Like I, I, I'm with you, Chris. Like some of the twists and stuff we've talked about, I've seen like – we, we haven't given a ton of sacks, but I think from – like this is where one might be a little bit misleading because even though we might not necessarily give a, a ton of sacks because Jake knows where to go with the football, knows how to like get rid of the ball and go to his outlet – we we there's been too much pressure in Jake's from in Jake Fromm's face. I think that's and so to me, I think that's a that's one here one of these numbers I think is a little bit misleading. Is yeah, well maybe he hasn't got they haven't gotten Jake on the ground that much, but they have pressured him and affected the quarterback. Like there's been situations where we've had plays dialed up down the field that, that were going to be there, but the line couldn't hold it long enough for Jake to get the ball out, and we had to dumb it down to an outlet or Jake had to take off. So that one might be slightly misleading. But here's the one that just kills me. 110th in power success rate. And what power success rate, that is um, the percentage of conversions on third or fourth and two yards or less to go. And we those issues are well documented. Now, I would argue that's more schematics because that, that's where our arrogance offensively comes into play. And we'll get to the coaching here in a little bit. 
uh, we're just kind of running into the teeth of the defense when they outnumber. So they have when they have plus one or plus two situation. I don't care how many how how much weight your offensive line has, how big they are, how strong they are, how great they are. When you have guys that you are not blocking that are unblocked, they're going to make the play. So that's partly on coaching there, uh, but. There's some on the offensive line as well, but overall, I think the offensive line actually, if you look at statistically, they've been pretty good. And like going back and trying to watch some of these games, most of the season they have been good. There's just been a few moments where it's like, God, we got to get better. So I'm actually going to go with a solid B plus here. I can't go A because the South Carolina game, I, I cannot get that out of my mind. I can't wash it out. But I think it's better than a C. Um, but I, I would say recently, over the past two weeks, maybe you could say that. But I think as a whole, if you look at some of those numbers, I'm going to go. B plus. Now I think you and I might be in agreement with this next group, Curtis. We're gonna go wide receivers and tight ends together. Uh, these issues have been well documented, been talked about ad nauseum for the last two and a half weeks. What grade would you give our wide receivers and tight ends, Kurt? I'm gonna go with a C. Wow, you're more generous than I am. I, I, I got- um, I mean, it, it, to me, a lot of it is the wide, the tight end play. Um, you know, I went back and watched the Kentucky game where you could see us trying to run some different plays with, like, pulling people, getting on the edges, and attacking more of, like, the six hole and things like that. Sure. And the one play that sticks out to me is you see a big hole there. And, of course, who misses their block? None other than the most consistent bad blocker we have, Charlie Warner. In the South Carolina game, you don't realize how, how it may look. But, I mean, that drop by Eli Wolf on that big third down play early in the game. I mean, That was huge. Like that that were, was huge. Yeah, and it wasn't talked about enough because it was so early in the game. It didn't stick out as much. But, I mean, they, the, uh, the tight end play has been terrible. Um, just yeah, that, absolutely that, that terrible, play especially on the blocking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what about the receivers? Like, how are you feeling? Like, I mean, that, this has been a big topic of conversation. Receivers can get separation, especially in that South – really, I guess it was the South Carolina game everyone continues to talk about. Uh, nationally, locally, wherever. When they talk about Georgia, that's the first thing that comes up. So how do you feel about the receivers? I mean, we have some good players. I'm just also disappointed. I mean, if you have people like Matt Landers who should be able to, have to go out and do it, he talked about how, you know, he had been quoted and talked about how he thought about transferring um, for playing time, things like that. But if you thought you deserved playing time with the way that you go out there and play now, then you had some unreal expectations for yourself. Um, you've been in the soft. I mean, uh, that's why I'm just disappointed. The, yeah. the, the lack of these players being ready to play, especially when Jeremiah Holloman got kicked off the yeah. team, you knew your number was going to be called. Um, they've been in this offense for this long, and I, I'm just very disappointed in a lot of these upperclassmen. I, um, the young guys like George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock, I'm actually pleased with how they're coming along. Um, but everyone else, Kiaris Jackson, things like that, I, I, especially, I mean, Tyler Simmons, I don't even put him as a wide receiver because um, that's Doesn't not – I don't know Tyler what Simmons? I consider him. Doesn't but everyone else, I'm just – I mean, I'm just disappointed, with, especially the upperclassmen. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um you know, initially my 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 initial thought here was D D minus whatever, but I, I think I'm kind of with you. I was gonna go C to C minus here. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll actually agree with you. I'm gonna go with a C because it hasn't been all bad. Like we've had moments like when, when Lawrence Cager is healthy. Lawrence Cager can be a he can be that Javon Wims, that Riley Ridley, right? Yeah, like he, he can be that guy, and 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 he has, he was, but we just got to get him healthy. And I don't know, like. I, there's conversation that he might not oh, – there's rumors, not conversation. There's rumors that he might not be ready until Texas A&M. It's like, oh, my God, like that's not good for us. Uh, but who knows how real that is. I know it was separated left shoulder, and you now he's dealing with the ribs issue. So who knows, man. That, that's unfortunate because he was our, he was turning into our go-to guy. I mean, he was a big reason why we were able to beat Notre Dame down the stretch uh, in that game uh, in week four. 
uh, but like we've done some good things, and I know we focus on especially receivers, just the the, the pass catching and getting and getting separation, running routes, all that kind of stuff. That's a big part of the playing receiver, obviously. But in our offense, obviously, they have to block as well. And and you guys know, like we do, a, and that's not a sexy thing to talk about with receivers. But they don't. We do a consistently really good job, and I know Tyler Simmons, obviously designated blocker, but he's really good at that, and that's a part of the game. That's a part of what a receiver has to do. And all of our receivers, to a man, do a good job. Some are better than others, but they're all physical. They're all willing. Pickens is a very willing blocker, and a big block against Kentucky on a little on a crack that freed up DeAndre Swift for a pretty big run in that game. Um, and, and even D Rob, who's undersized, but he fights out there. Kyrus Jackson, when he's out there. He's physically fights. All these guys do. Uh, but you, but there has there have been moments where we have some issues, whether it's timing, whether it's rhythm, whether it's getting off press separate press coverage and that separation. Part of it is also coaching. I don't, I don't think we do a great job of putting our receivers in the position to make plays and get guys into space. I mean, that's a part of it. We'll come to coaching a little bit later on. But if you look at it as a whole, I don't, they haven't been terrible. They haven't been great. Haven't been partic- like they haven't been like really good. They've been okay. Uh, but if you look at like I, 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 I was curious, do we have a guy that's kind of mash up what? with what Riley Ridley gave us last year. And I, I mentioned I thought that Lawrence Cager would be that guy, but he's he's missed some time, so his numbers aren't quite there. I think if he played the whole year and hadn't missed these, some of these last couple games, that his numbers would be right there. But last year through seven games, Riley Ridley had 25 catches for 337 yards, five touchdowns. I'm going to go with true freshman George Pickens as the matchup here. George Pickens right now through seven games has 23 catches, for 318 yards and two touchdowns. So, no, not quite where Ridley was, but really, really not that far off. I mean, really had 25 catches, Pickens got 23. Really had 337 through seven games last year, Pickens got 318. So that was surprising to me, to be honest, that we Riley was one of these guys that we were kind of so concerned about losing. And he was good for us, don't get me wrong, but Pickens as a true freshman has kind of filled in just to, and basically giving us what Riley really gave us last year. And if you look at the passing game numbers, last year we through seven games, we threw for 1,649 yards. This year through seven games, we've thrown for 1,641 yards. We're eight yards off our pace from last year. And oh, by the way, we also played a top 10 team already. So you know, you, you, you got to throw that in there as well, at least well, what previously was a top 10 team. Uh, so I, I don't think it's been as bad as everyone's making it out to be recently. I just know right now, like we are, and like I'm guilty of this too. We've been prisoners of the moment. That South Carolina game was rough. Our passing game just could not get going. There's no reason we should have lost the game, but somehow we did. And the passing game was a big part of that. But as a whole, I think the receivers have been pretty good. Not great, not elite, not even close to that, but pretty good. So I'm going to go C, which to me is like perfectly average, right? So I think that's fair. And real quickly, guys, before we grade our next position, I do want to remind you guys about my bookie. We are now a little bit more than halfway through the college ball season, so there's still plenty of time for you guys to go out there and make some money today. And if you've got a feeling about a game or two, mybookie.ag is the place to go. They have the most competitive lines, they have the greatest variety, they've got in-game bets, parlays, round robins, all of it, you name it, they've got it. And now is the absolute best time to get in on the action. Sign up at mybookie.ag and simply use the promo code OVERTIME and they will 100% match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and all new users get their first deposit doubled. mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, All right, let's move over to the other side of the ball here for a couple minutes and let's talk about our defense and we're going to open it up with the defensive line Curtis there's you know, we've talked about this in the past that the one thing that we were really missing 
especially on the defense side of the ball, was having those elite playmakers up front, those game-changing defensive linemen. And I don't know that we have them right now this year, but I think we're getting closer to that level. How would you grade our defensive line through seven games? Um, I'm actually going to go with a B plus. I mean, they've been playing very well. Like you said, we don't have a, a dominant guy who goes out there and does it. But I think as a unit, they play very well together. Um, they've done a good job stopping the run and things like that. And that's especially with Jordan Davis going down um, in the Tennessee game and not being healthy the last couple weeks. Um, so, I mean, I think all in all that they played very well compared to what we had last year, um, where that was one of our biggest problems, especially with the linebacker play. Um, grouped together that that was a very glaring weakness for us and I feel like they have stepped up yeah I agree that we are significantly better on defense fine at least we're playing significantly better we don't have that many different players like we've inserted a few new guys like Trayvon, Trayvon Walker get in there at times but like it's mostly the same guys that are just playing better like Devontae Wyatt's has stepped up big time this year Tyler Clark I think is having a better year than he had last year he's been more consistent uh, almost made a game changer play in overtime for us in South Carolina. It was a huge play getting that stop there. Uh, and Jordan Davis has taken a step as a as a sophomore. He really has. He's been really good. And there's two stats like for me. And by the way, I'm I'm giving their defense. I'm with you. Uh, I was thinking either B or B plus. Since you give him B plus, I'll go B plus. And there's two stats on the that where the defensive line really plays a big role that we've been pretty good at this year. And that's opportunity rate and power success rate. We are tenth nationally. An opportunity rate and that's not just a defensive line the linebacker the front seven plays all they all play a role in that safety's coming up in the box play a role in that but that's heavily dependent upon your defensive line play and guys that just to give you an idea of how much of an improvement we made from last year last year we were 96th nationally in opportunity rate that's horrific there's no reason on earth georgia should ever be 96th national opportunity rate defensively it should never happen we're top 10 right now that's a huge jump from last year again it's not all defensive line there but that's a very big part of it and then we are 19th nationally in power success rate so the that's the percentage of conversions we're allowing on third and fourth down with two or less yards to go and that was an issue last year we're like 54th national last year we're 19th right now so two key stats there that measure your defensive line and we have made dramatic improvements from a year ago we're 54th overall in defensive line yards but we're 25th in standard down line yards and only 100 and 114th in passing down line yards what that tells me is like when we know teams are going to try to run the football, we're doing a really good job of stopping them. That's what standard downs are. Uh, so we're 25th nationally there. But, like, you know, like South Carolina did this a couple of times when uh, when uh, Joyner goes in at quarterback. When he gets third and long, we're, we're geared up for the pass. So like when we're in our dime defense, the team is trying to run it on us. We don't do a good job of, of, of crowding the run in those situations. But here's another example of how much we've improved. We were 20, we're 25th nationally in standard down line yards right now. We were 88th nationally last year. That's a dramatic jump. Uh, but where this is why I can't give them an A though. We still haven't been disruptive. We've been good stoning teams. I mean, we're going to less than 90 yards a game rushing, but we're still not disruptive up front. So, Kurt, and this kind of goes to outside linebackers who are up next, but we're going to talk about havoc. So, if we were just isolating havoc, Kurt, that, that much talked about buzzword that we heard all offseason, what grade would you give us in creating havoc right now through seven games? I mean, I'm going to go with a C, but I think a lot of it has to do is ever since we lost Tyson Campbell, things have changed because we haven't been into the uh, bump and run uh, man coverage as much lately, which I think in the first couple weeks when we were running that system more so when he was playing, we were doing a lot better creating havoc. Yeah, uh, you're right. We have we we're still doing some bubble run, but not as much. You're definitely right about that. And it looks like Tyson's gonna be back for Florida. I'm hopeful we'll see how rusty he is and uh, how healthy he actually is. But I would say in terms of creating havoc, we're, we haven't done like, – we haven't been that much better than we were last year. Honestly, if you look at the numbers, right now we're 81st 
uh, nationally in stuff rate. That's when we were 74th last year. So we were actually a little bit below that. Like we're not really stopping teams at or behind line of scrimmage consistently. We're 71st in sack rate, uh, which is, again, that's not particularly good. If you look at where we were last year, uh, actually, let's, we'll bring the outside linebackers in here too. So last year, we, we, we were better. We're better this year at getting after the quarterback than we were last year. But it's still like the, the sack rate's not there. Like last year in 2018, we were nine. We, we, I'm sorry, we had nine sacks through seven games. I went back and crunched numbers. We had nine sacks through seven games and 30 tackles for loss through seven games. This year through seven games, we're, we have 16 sacks and 38 tackles for loss. So we're getting after the quarterback a lot better. And I, will, I would argue that we are affecting the quarterback more than we were last year. We're not getting him on the ground. We're affecting them more. But we're not really stopping plays behind the line of scrimmage that much more often than we were last year. 38 tackles for loss compared to 30 last year through seven games. So we're not quite as disruptive. But what I would say is that's just kind of what our defensive scheme is. Like we're our, our defensive line is not asked to be a disruptive unit. That's where our pass rushers come in. Because we, we play a two-gap scheme. And basically what we do is we strike and we read. We don't we're not we don't ask our guys to penetrate and make plays in the backfield. We don't not consistently, at least. There's times where we do that, but not consistently. I think if we unleash a guy like Tyler Clark, I've said this many times, Tyler Clark would be far more disruptive than he is right now playing this two-gap scheme. I don't think that we're really playing a scheme defensively that maximizes his skill set. This is what Kirby's done forever, and it's what we're going to continue to do. So overall, to wrap that up with even Swine, I think we've been really, really good, much better than last year. So I'm going to give uh, I'm gonna give this unit a B+. Plus. Mention outside linebackers for a second there, Curtis. What grade would you give our outside backers? Um, Probably just a B-. minus. Yeah, you know what? They haven't been like – they've been good, right? Like they've been good. They just haven't been. I think they've been more consistent where last year almost everything we got was from DeAndre Jordan. I mean, DeAndre Walker. Yeah, DeAndre Walker. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and like we have, I was going to say, we have more bodies. We have more guys that can do it. We rotate guys in more. But they've been good. They just haven't been, they haven't been dominant. But I, I think if anyone was expecting them to be dominant, you might have been fooling yourself because think how young these guys are. I mean, Aziz Ojolari is a redshirt freshman. Yeah, you got Jermaine Johnson coming in as a Juco. Nolan Smith's a true freshman. Adam Anderson's a true sophomore. I mean, these guys that are that are in the lineup, these guys are, are are babies, man. And I think they've played really well considering their youth and inex- relative inexperience. But again, like we're we're 71st in sack rate up from 76 last year. So a little bit better getting after the quarterback and getting to the ground, but not like all that much better. But I do think we have affected the quarterback. We have improved overall, like I mentioned, nine sacks through seven games last year, 16 sacks this year. And the exciting thing is, like, no, we're not, we haven't been elite in that regard this year. But again, these guys are all so young. So I, I'm really excited about the future and what they're going to continue to do the rest of this year as they get more experience and get a little, uh, a little more seasoning through the SEC schedule. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with just a solid B. I think they've been good, just not necessarily elite. I mean, that's fair. And before we move on, I do want to remind you guys that today's episode of the Glory UGA podcast is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network. It's live 24-7 and costs you nothing. That's right. It's sports coverage that's always on and always free. Always. And it's so convenient. I caught up on every NFL game already just simply by going to CBS Sports HQ. I ran the app half today. Came home, did a few chores, and then just was zonked out the rest of the day. Just exhausted. So I wasn't up to watch any NFL games. But what did I do? All I had to do was go to CBS Sports HQ, and I put up all the highlights of all the games and got completely caught up on everything. It's really that easy and that convenient. And guys, it's so great. There's no fake debates at all when it comes to CBS Sports HQ. It's just sports for real sports fans like you and me at the great price of completely free. You don't even have to log in or sign up or anything like that. 
All you have to do is download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. All right, let's move over to the inside linebackers. Curtis, what grade would you give our inside backers? We were hard on these guys all last year. What about in 2019? Um, I'm probably going to go with probably a B plus. I think they've been playing pretty strong, actually. Um, I don't think that they've been the glaring weakness as they, much as they were so last year. Yeah, how much better have we been at that position this year? A lot better. I mean, we don't have to rely on someone like Juwan Taylor. Is that the difference, like no Juwan Taylor, no Nature's Patrick? Is it just a personnel thing? I mean, yeah, and you also seen people like Tay Crowder step up and get better. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. Yeah, I think, like, Juwan Taylor, love you, man. I, I know you, you waited your turn, and, and he did some good things for us, but he he was not a guy that could play a three-downs inside linebacker, and he had to do that at times. And Natres Patrick, same thing, um, not a three-down linebacker. And, and those guys were good. They were solid, but they weren't, like, top-level SEC inside linebackers, which is what the University of Georgia should have. I'm not quite sure we're there yet. I'm going to give us a, a solid B. We've been a lot better this year. I still don't think we have a dominant inside linebacking group, at least the guys who are starting. Uh, Tay Crowder, I, we've talked about how he probably has been our best linebacker overall, at least our most complete linebacker. Uh, Monty Rice does a really good job playing between tackles, playing the run, he, and he's gotten a little quicker. I, I see him chasing plays down to the sideline more so than he has in the past, and he's gotten healthy, which is good. But he's still a liability in pass coverage, and teams have attacked that. They've tried to exploit that. Notre Dame, for example, in week four, tried to exploit that and had some success doing that. And it's the young guys like Quay Walker and Kobe Dean who are starting to get more and more snaps. Kobe Dean finally getting healthy after that early season ankle injury, and we're seeing more of him. I think the sky, I've talked about Quay Walker before. I think the sky is the absolute limit for that guy, the versatility he brings to the table. I don't think we really unleashed Quay Walker yet. And Kobe Dean, I think we're just starting to see him scratch the surface of what he can do. So um, through seven games, we've been much better. We're still not quite there yet. But when you're fifth nationally in rush defense, giving up only 85 yards a game, up from 31st nationally last year, giving up 134 yards a game last year, you're doing something right inside linebacker. I know it's not just the inside backers. It's the whole defense that's involved in stopping the run. But the inside linebackers are obviously a big part of that, and they were a major weakness. Maybe not. Maybe they were the major weakness on our defense last year, and we have rectified that this year. We are much better there, and I think we're just, we're going to continue to get better and better and better the rest of this season and into the future as well. All right, last position here before we get to the coaching, let's talk about the secondary. Curtis, I'm interested to get your take here. There's been some high-profile uh, blown assignments, no doubt, that resulted in big plays. But overall, what grade would you give our secondary so far? Um, I think I'm going to go with a B minus. Um, I think that J.R. Reed has played really well. I think Eric Stokes has played well. Tyson Campbell played well when he did play. Um, but Richard LeCount has been inconsistent. He's had some very goods, and he's also had some lows. And um, I'm just, I just don't know what to make out of the star position. That's the one position. I'm very disappointed with Devon Wilson. I thought he was going to come into it this year and really man down that position, but I just have not liked what I've seen from him. I'm glad you said that. That's the position I'm worried about. I'm actually worried about that against Florida, which I'm worried about that as we get into the Florida week this week, hate week. Uh, I guess that's tech, but still hate week part two. But uh, I, man, I'm with you on the star position. That's the position I'm concerned about. I, I like our corners. I feel good about our corners. I feel good about our safeties. I feel really good about our safeties. That star position gives me some concerns. Um, I think that Devon Wilson is a highly talented player and will be very good. I just don't know if he's – quite there yet he's not as good as I thought he was, would be maybe again here maybe it's my expectations or maybe my expectations were inflated he hasn't been that bad but he hasn't been what I thought he would be this year and guys he like look he's a redshirt freshman um so he shouldn't be a dominant yeah I mean that's that's rare that a guy at that at that age comes to this level and plays to plays to that level 
this early on. Mark Webb has been good. Mark Webb, like I would say Devon and Webb are both really good against the run. They, they fit well against the run. But I have some concerns about them in coverage. Devon got burned by Brian Edwards, and he's a really good receiver. He got burned on that touchdown against South Carolina. We saw Webb get burned earlier in the year. Was it Murray State, I want to say, Kurt, right? Like that, yeah, that, I believe it was Murray yeah, it was, State. It was, it was either Murray or Arkansas. I think it was Murray State. So we've seen two high-profile busts that were because of the star position. And that can't happen. That cannot happen. So that's a concern for me. Florida's got some really good receivers, some good slot receivers there. Kadarius Tony's supposed to be back, and that's a concern for me. So I'm, I'm with you there. So there's one spot where I think there's a deficiency right now. It's there. But I think overall our secondary's played really, really well. If you look at it, we're 17th nationally. We'll give them 181 yards a game passing. We're uh, fourth in yards per attempt nationally, which is really what's more important to me. I don't, if they throw 50 times, they throw for 181 yards or whatever. But we're fourth nationally in yards per attempt, only giving up 5.4 yards per play. We're 27th nationally in completion percentage allowed, giving up only only allowing opponents to complete 55% of their passes. That's good enough for first in the SEC. Yes, we've given up few, a few too many high-profile busts for my liking. But overall, the numbers are really good. And we, we, we've played good football in the secondary. So I'm gonna I'm actually going to go with an A-minus here. There, and I go with a minus with some of the, as you mentioned, some of the deficiencies at the star position. I will also say, though, I don't know if we've really been tested in the second day. I really don't know. Um, I mean, we got tested against Notre Dame. Think of how often they threw the ball. Right. They did try to test us there. But, like, oh, I guess what I'm saying is, like, how good is the Notre Dame passing attack? Like, they're 54th nationally right now in passing offense. And that's, you know, that's solid, but that's not great. I mean, the six FBS offenses that we've played have averaged – uh, they average right now 75th nationally in passing offense. In the five power five teams we played, average 85th nationally in passing offense. Uh, Arkansas State's the highest rated passing offense we played at this point. They're 21st nationally, and we held them to 177 yards passing, which is really good. But they're, I mean, come on, let's be real. They, they're, they were overmatched in that game. So, yeah, you're right. Notre Dame did, did try to test us, but I'm not sure like they're as prolific of a passing attack as some other teams that we might play down the road. Like, I mean, Auburn, we know they, they can't throw the football that consistently down the field, at least, maybe, at least on the road, but they're at home, so we'll see. Uh, Missouri, they're having issues right now. Florida, I, that's going to be interesting. They have some really good receivers. That might be a test for us, but I really, we haven't played like an elite passing offense this year, so that's that's kind of – you have to throw that factor that in there. It's tough to gauge when you, when you look at those numbers. But overall, the numbers are really good for our secondary, so I'm going to go A-. minus. All right, and last up here, Curtis, before we get out of here – we would be remiss if we did not grade the coaching to this point. So I, right now, I know we're all prisoners of the moment. But if you look at the season in totality, Kurt, what grade would you give our coaching staff as a whole through seven games? Offensively, I'm going to go with C. And if I go defensively, I believe in A. So is that even out to a B? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, offensively, yeah, it's been rough. What, what has been the issue offensively? What, like, why, why are you giving the offensive staff a C? I mean, I think, like I mentioned, uh, the just the the fact that they keep rotating the offensive line, um, the predictability at times, and you saw it against no, um, Notre Dame where I think we got too conservative. But even then, I mean, you can be conservative, but at the same time, you still have to find a way to not be so predictable in, in all your conservative, like the way you play calling. Like, yeah, you yeah. can run, but you can try to come up with ways to at least mask things, and there just has not been any creativity. It's, and I also been, feel like they haven't done a good job of trying to, you know, get people open. Yes, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. I mean, everything you said about the offensive staff is true. The arrogance that we just think we're bigger, better, better, and stronger than you have more five stars than you were going to run over you. That's a real thing. That's a real thing right now. And it makes us predictable. You're right. We're not maximizing the talents and skill sets of our athletes. We're not trying to get those guys in space and not using them the way 
that in a way that would maximize their abilities. We're just not. And you're totally right. What I've been harping on is that every team has base plays, right? Every team goes into a game, you have five to five to eight maybe base plays you run. But you have to have counters off them. You have to have what we call constraints off of those. And teams, other teams do a really good job. I mean, I, again, I know Oklahoma just lost, but I watched their whole game against Kansas State. And the number of constraints and counters they have off their base plays is ungodly. And that's why they're so dynamic, man, because you don't, you can't stop their base plays because you're thinking in the back of your mind, what if they do this? Because they've shown it a couple of times. What if they do that? And you, you play slow. You hesitate. Uh, and it's just so difficult to stop. And we don't even try to do that. We run the same actions over and over and over again and don't even try to counter anything off of that. We just don't do it. So it's very frustrating. I'm going to go with overall, though, this team, like, offensively, I agree with you. But this team is still 5-1 and one with a chance. Now we got a rough road ahead of us here. But we still have a chance to play in the SEC title game. The defense has been really good. We're seventh nationally overall in total defense. We're first nationally in the SEC. We're 15 yards better than the next closest team in the, in the league, which is Missouri, in total defense. Offense has had its issues. There's no doubt there. But I think if you factor in defense with the offense, the fact that we're five and one, still with a chance to play in the SEC title game, and we'll see if that happens. We got a chance though. I'm going to go with a B. I think that's fair. Uh, South Carolina game, a lot of that was on coaching. That's inexcusable. But outside of that, like we've done, you know, as a as a coaching staff, we've done a good job getting this team ready to play and in a position where we can we still have all of our goals ahead of us. We'll see if it happens. We still have all of our goals ahead of us. But all right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. Really appreciate you guys taking time to listen to us here on the show. If you have not already, we would greatly appreciate if you give us if you enjoyed the show, if you give us a rating and review on Apple Podcast or Google Play. That would definitely help us out. We will be back later this week. We'll have you completely covered for all things cocktail party. So don't miss out on that. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>